Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we are going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'm excited today because my guest is a national headliner, indeed, actor, mm-hmm. stand-up comic teacher, Yep. Acting coach, yes, sir. Tarot reader, indeed. Um, he has Patty Labelle's recipe, private recipe for mac and cheese. Yes, I do. He wrote for uh, Joan Rivers, Rest Her Soul, mm-hmm. on how did you get so rich? Indeed. And uh, it's good to have you here. I've got Paul Jasek with me today. How are Thank you doing? Well, I'm doing well, Bob. Thank you so much for having me. All right, and you started out. Uh, here at the comedy I store, did. this is this is my home home club, my home roots. Mm-hmm. I uh, by 1989, I was working as an a- trying to work in town as an actor, and I just I would go to an audition, and they would go, you know, the character isn't gay, and I'm like, I, I didn't think I was playing. Well, you have a gay accent, and I'm like, <laughs> wow. So I uh, I decided I would try stand up, and I would talk about you know God takes care of drunks, fools, and children. Yeah, and uh, I signed up when. Um, one open mic night, mm-hmm. and somehow I got the eight thirty spot, and I only had about three minutes of material, mm-hmm. and uh, and I remember standing backstage and when we're standing off, it was in the original room, and I I did my three minutes, and as I stepped off, this very large man with a beard goes, "I need you to come with me," and I went, "Oh no!" I thought it was like being asked to go to the principal's office. Oh, okay, and we must went have been Michael to, Beck. It was okay, just and basically. and we went back to a banquet, and there was this woman with a scarf on her, and she goes, "You're funny. That cheerleader bit's great. Welcome to the comedy store. I'm going to make you a regular Becker. Take him in, had you all up." And I went in the bathroom and threw up. I was like, "Now I have to do this." Like, but it, I came to comedy college, is what it was. Yeah, you know. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, at the same time, the receptionist upstairs, just outside Becker's office. I don't know what happened. So I became the receptionist during the day and then was doing spots at night. Oh, there you so go. So I was, you know, nine to five here, five yeah. days a week. And uh, boy, it was such an interesting time. And I was thrown right into it and and learned from the best and watched and observed and and uh, yeah, it's a, a soft spot in my heart here. Now, where did you? Um where did you where, did you grow up in LA? Did you? I grew up in Longmont, Colorado, which is Colorado. Uh, yeah, about thirty five miles north of Denver. Okay, it's a farming community. And uh, when I was uh, eighteen, I decided to come to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard there was a place for people like me, and it was Pasadena, mm-hmm. California. Yeah, and, Pasadena, uh, that is the place. And I got my training in the American Theater from the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Oh, cool! And um, that would lead me on to my love of teaching now. Oh, cool. And how did you – so when you were 18 Mm -hmm. and you wanted to leave Colorado, which Mm -hmm. is probably not the same as leaving Mississippi. um, God bless my friends in Mississippi. But um, like did you have a plan? I mean did you – like I want to be a banker or no, I just want to perform. And like where did that come from? I have always been a performer. Mm -hmm. Um, My first uh, role, I was five years old, the dancing bunny in the St. Stephen's Episcopal Church uh, Christmas pageant. So I remember standing there turning as a mechanical bunny going, this is it. This is it. This is what I want. All right. uh, And, you know, growing up in the mid-60s, late 60s in Longmont, you know, they just didn't – my parents were lovely people, but they Mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with me. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. quite sure what to do with them. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in my high chair going – Oh, this isn't it. I should have really been dropped at uh, the Sondheims in Manhattan because yeah, these people go. really take the hog report seriously, yeah. and I don't know what I'm doing here. And uh, there was this whole thing about boys and balls. Mm-hmm. Actually, men are obsessed with balls. Uh, 
I, I, you know, if you want the ball, just ask me. You don't have to knock me down and take it away from me. Right. But um, I would find that more attractive in my mid twenties. But um, so, but I knew I knew it was time for me to get out of town. That I, yeah. I if I'd stayed there, I was going to develop a real good drinking problem or mm-hmm. um, marry an unpleasant girl. So, uh, so mm-hmm. I or I, both, yeah, or both, <laughs> and uh, and came came west, young mm-hmm. man. And were your parents happy that you left? Were they excited for you? Did they support you they, in they terms really, of the, what, they didn't understand it, but they were. Interestingly, slightly supportive. Cool. My mother said, we thought we'd pay for about a year out there. We thought you'd probably come back. But uh, I, I dug in and went for it. And, yeah. uh, and to this day, members of my family, and it's 40 years later, going, are, are you ever moving back? Yeah. Uh, probably no. not. Probably yeah. not. The farm's going to have to. Yeah. It's going to have to take care of itself. It's going to have to yeah. take care of itself. How did uh, – do you remember your first uh, big paycheck uh, – in either stand-up or acting, do you remember like, oh my gosh, I've arrived? I do. Um, I was doing a gig. I was um, the headliner, first time I headlined. <laughs> and when they handed me that check for 750 bucks mm-hmm. for you know two shows a night, it was in Vegas. I was like, oh, are you kidding? This is fabulous. This is amazing. Yeah. No taxes withheld. No, because th- that's how they get you. But uh, I thought that was uh, – it was the most I'd ever made for an evening. So, yeah. When were you – first aware that money had any value or had had significance well that you know that's interesting uh when you invited me onto the show i was thinking about my re- personal relationship with money mm-hmm. and um i remember asking my father because we had a nice home my father had his own business mm-hmm. but i knew that other kids and we're talking in elementary school weren't having the same experience that i was mm-hmm. so i said to my father one day we were out in the backyard i said are we rich and his answer he turned on me and said, we're comfortable. Don't ever ask that question again. Mm. And it was confusing. I got an allowance. I, had, I, I got five bucks a week if I mowed mm-hmm. the lawn. Now, our lawn was almost a full acre yeah. of, you know, uh, thank goodness it was a power mower. But um, unless that happened, there was no – so I understood that. Um, but my relationship with – I wasn't quite sure mm-hmm. what the value was. I got that if you mowed the lawn, you got five bucks. Mm-hmm. But if I do more, do I get more? It was very odd. And then my first um, job at 14, I was a busboy at a mm-hmm. steakhouse. And that was sloppy and dirty and not pleasant. And I thought, this doesn't – I'd rather mow a lawn <laughs> right. than doing this. So I was very confusing. Um, by the time I, I got into college – I mean, I certainly understood addition and subtraction. World sure. finance might have slipped past me. But, right. But um, – you know, as as fledging fledgling artists and actors, you're not sure what worth means mm-hmm. because we take it as self worth. Right. So the psychological aspects plus the regular mathematics of it were were a jumbled mess for quite a while, actually. Yeah, you know, uh, until I had an agent that helped move that along because I understood her ten percent came first. So <laughs> right, she knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she knew yeah, the ten yeah. percent was coming. Um, do you remember any messages from your mom about money, like when you were a kid, or were even if she didn't speak it, were there actions that you knew how to behave when it came to that topic? Um, she would sit at the kitchen table in the kitchen. There would be a mass of paperwork, and I knew a not to disturb her. The coffee was flowing, and so were cigarettes. Mm. And occasionally, lots of sighs. So I knew that it was not a pleasant experience. It happened mm-hmm. once a month, and we got that handled, and it didn't, it didn't seem pleasant. And I remember asking her something. She said, don't bother me now. So there was also tension about it. Mm. Now, my father having his own business, my father worked 
all the time. Right. But once in a great while, uh, he was a mechanical engineer and an architect. Okay. So he uh, did work late hours. So my father would leave the house by 7 in the morning and come home by about six thirty seven at night, would have dinner, and then go back to the office and then work until 10. Wow. So I also got that working very hard got you things. Mm-hmm. So I also thought that struggle helped. If you, if you really were just on the edge of it, uh, that, that was important. Did you have um, siblings? I have two older half-brothers, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, did you grow up with them? They are 14 and 11 years older than I am. Oh, okay. So by the time I was you know, eight, they were out of the house. Okay. So you and... sort of got to be the baby of the family was, or the only child in a way? The only child, yes. So that was probably nice when you're like, get them out mm-hmm. of here. Well, I, I sort of just got to know them when they were gone. Yeah. You know, and both of them married their high school girlfriends. Wow. So, and are still married to them today. Well, actually, my brother just passed about two weeks ago. Oh, okay. My little brother, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, relationships, my family does really well. I, they've done very well for themselves. Um, but I was the one where they go, oh, mm-hmm. I wish he would just settle on something. Just pick something. Yes. Well, so if your parents were to give you a, a report card um, for your life to present what mm-hmm. would they have given you what would they give you well i would have gotten an a for effort mm-hmm. uh i would have gotten a uh b for attempting and probably a c minus for execution <laughs> <laughs> and would you uh, and do you think that that's a fair assessment for yourself like would you is that which how you would rate yourself as well well you know it's it, it is interesting uh as I said, it's been 30 years since I started doing stand-up. And in this sort of reflective period, I thought that I'm still standing mm-hmm. alone is just fine. Right. Do you know, that uh, I have not wavered in, in one moment of my life. Of, for a brief time, I did have a second career as a flight attendant. Oh. Which allowed me to also be a stand-up comic in different areas around the country. Right, get to travel. And, and fly free. Yeah. So I really was still – I was running them side by side. Yeah, smart. So uh, – yeah, you know, and I always, I always think the best is yet to come. Yeah, so it's right ahead. Of, the field of all possibilities is ahead of you. So, when, um, when there, and maybe this never happened for you. I just know a few comics that it has happened when things get tight financially. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever a period? Did you ever have a period where things got really tight? And what got you through it? Uh, well, it's interesting. I think that. Uh, if you're of the creative bent, that that's a gift. It's part of whatever you, you come wired for. Mm-hmm. So I've also never had a problem of doing whatever it took to get to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I've been an actor, singer, dancer, flight attendant, stand-up comic, tarot reader, waiter. Uh, Bunny dancer. Uh, yeah, whatever. What, you know, uh, I have no problem with going, oh, well, that's not my passion. I figured all – while I was a waiter, I met the vice president of publicity for the William Morris Agency. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met them anywhere else. So I, I think that the, this creative bent also wants you to succeed. Yeah. Do you – I have to con- – I know nobody can see, but we just had a conversation before we started talking about the ghosts mm-hmm. of the comedy store and how they haven't been hanging out for a while. <laughs> and uh, it's – so the lights have been going off and on and a lot of stuff has been weird is going on. So I'm uh, – I think they wanted to remind us that they're still here is what I'm guessing. Well, you know, uh, because I was here during the day when I was a a receptionist Mm -hmm. and sitting up there just in the green room outside Becker's office um, is when I had a couple of honest to God real moments. Yeah. I could hear somebody either singing or crying. And I finally said to Becker, I stuck my head around the door and I said, do you ever hear? He goes, oh, yeah, happens all the time. I thought it was maybe wind coming through that window. (laughs) 
And then one time I had my head down, and that's back when we had a big um, switchboard. Yeah. And people were calling, you know, you know, it's, uh, who's playing tonight and on and on. And somebody walked in front of me, and Becker was really adamant about comics not going in his office. And um, so this guy passed in front of me, and I jumped up, and I ran around and said, I'm so sorry. And Mike looked up. He goes, what's wrong? I said, I thought somebody walked in here. He goes, brown suit. I said, I think so. He goes, happens all the time. Wow. Yeah, no, it gets a lot. We actually, there was a manager here. What was it? I think it was Brandon. Um, he worked here for a few months, and then he found out that that there were haunts. Mm-hmm. And quit uh, <laughs> the next one. He was, he was like, he was so terrified. And I have to admit, I've been here a couple of nights all by myself, um, trying to lock the building, mm-hmm. and uh, it's freaking scary. <laughs> Well, when this used to have uh, that uh, collapsible cage sort of, closed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there's there's doors. Yeah, I was getting, I was going to go to Carney's and get something. It was after five. I remember I'd finished my shift, so I came down the stairs from the belly mm-hmm. room, came around the corner, and I watched it that accordion uh, gate lean out and drop back and went. Well, okay, no, yeah. And uh, now that I, you, there, five years ago, I don't know if I'd be downstairs here in the basement, yeah. but it's nice and clean. Ladies no, and it's nice and Metaphys- clean, and metaphysically, it's nice metaphysically. and clean down. But they're winking at us. Which they are. I like. I, it's sort of funny. It's yeah. It's they interesting. Remember me? Nah. Um, all right. What would you say were your um, three biggest financial mistakes, like that you might have had regret? I think it was getting into credit card debt so early. Okay. You know, uh, in the late 70s, I was working in department stores. Okay. And they would give you a discount mm-hmm. with the attachment to a credit card for the for the company, like Bullocks okay. or Robinsons and all of that. Well, that just seemed like fun money. Right. Well, even with a the discount, they want you to pay it. I found that so odd. Oh, that's was, so crazy. I, I was already here. What else do you want? Um, so I, I spun through some credit card debt that was okay. really intense. Okay. And um, and I, my father and I have the same name. Okay. And so I thought I was balancing it by pl- robbing Peter to pay Paul. And mm-hmm. do, and uh, I get a phone call from my father, and it was very late. I was here in California, and uh, he said, I need to speak with you. I'm like, what? He said, I've just been notified by a visa of this past due balance. And I went, well, he said, so I've paid it. And I went, well, that wasn't yours to pay. And he goes, our good name still means something in this town. And the shame that rolled over me wow. was just awful that I somehow – but also in, in my thinking then that they didn't really understand what it takes to live in Los Angeles. Right. They live in Colorado. And so I had a lot of excuses around it as opposed to the, really the income outgo idea. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was a couple of really nasty instances. Was, were your parents very religious? Um, we certainly belonged to the Episcopal Church. Okay. And uh, socially, you bet. Right. Um, so it wasn't necessarily religion. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of spirituality. Okay. Because uh, we it was not a lot of restriction with it. Right. Well, mm-hmm. the Episcopal, yeah. Episcopals are Catholic lights, sort yeah. of, right? Soft shell Catholics. <laughs> they got the rituals, but not mm-hmm. the, you know. Yeah, with the restriction. Yeah, that's yeah. true. L- less guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Um, what would you say is your. Uh, your biggest financial moment that you're proud of, like something that you did that you went, yeah, that's right on. I sold a piece of property at the exact right time. Nice. That's yep. cool. Yeah. And did you feel like you timed it or did you feel there was a little bit of luck or did you like hmm. – I, I think a little of both. Mm-hmm. I was – I realized I did not uh, – I was not going to retire to that home. Mm-hmm. Uh 
as much as I love my home state and I do love Colorado, I did not think I would make that my permanent residence. Mm-hmm. So within making that decision, it seemed that things just dropped into place for it. Yeah. So maybe a little bit of luck, but it was also, I think, uh, intuition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you no longer had a source of income, mm-hmm. um, how many months could you go um, without um, needing to generate new money? Well, with the sale of the house, okay, that's, <laughs> it can go a pretty of, long that, time. That sort of You're changes pretty things. That yeah. changes things. That changes things. But um, it's interesting about income and outgo. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just now, at this point in my career, where money is beginning to roll in, as I mentioned, I have a screenplay that I'm very mm-hmm. crossing my fingers that it looks really good. Um, had I quit anywhere along the way, I wouldn't have gotten here. Right. So I'm so pleased and proud and, and grateful that for just on blind luck, I've hung in here because I think you can't do the stuff that people do and go backwards unless you really are having a problem. And if you're having a problem, then ask for help. Yeah. And I've had to. I've gone to a lot of outside sources and, and mm-hmm. I have a wonderful tax guy that's helped me through stuff and, and, and talked to, to uh, financial people mm-hmm. because there is such, such emotional weight with it, especially mm-hmm. for actors about how – our worth and, and what are we worth and are, am I you know, good enough for all of that, yeah. which is confusing. If you um, were to suddenly inherit $50 million, money was no mm-hmm. object, mm-hmm. Um, what would you change about your life? I should have to cut back, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it's interesting. A couple of my friends really are part of the super wealthy folks mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And I asked a friend of mine who, uh, you know, a couple of large foundations are named for her family. Mm. And I, would, I said, you know, a lot of people think that money will fix it. And she goes, that would be something I know isn't true. Because if you could throw money at a problem, welfare would work. So in her service work that she does, because she really would – she and her family could you know, buy Saturn V rockets and hand them out for Christmas. Right. But um, that she works in how, how to help people not only self-esteem issues but work with their wealth. She works with a lot of women on Skid Row mm-hmm. to bring them into, into uh, working for themselves and, and so forth. So I thought that was interesting that throwing money at the problem – because – uh, there was a wonderful documentary a few years ago called The First 100 okay. about the first 100 lottery winners. And oh, okay. None of them have the money. Right. That's historically true. It's so interesting. It's almost as if there's an inner thermostat that all of a sudden you have this influx and you do things like you buy everybody you know a brand new car. Yep. So you get back to that comfort level that I'm just here. I'm just surviving. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a family member that won a million dollars twice, oh and gosh. they said it was probably the worst thing that happened um, for a lot of reasons. One, a million dollars doesn't go that far. It's not that and much money. Plus, you have to give a good portion of it to the government. Mm-hmm. And then everybody comes out of the woodwork thinking that you're a multimillionaire, mm-hmm. so everybody has a project and mm-hmm. wants to borrow money. Mm-hmm. Um and I also – it's interesting. I have a belief that um, we have a comfort level. Mm-hmm. And so if my comfort level is having $100 in the bank, the minute it goes above 100 I'm going to get it right back to 100 Exactly. And if 10000 is my comfort level – and I because I see this happen a lot where people inherit money. Mm-hmm. And then within a year, they're like, I don't know what happened. I was going to do all these good things and it's all gone. And I really feel like, and I think that was true for me too. Like, okay, at least, you know, for a period it was like, at least I'm not overdrawn. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, at least I've got a thousand. Um, like, and, you know, fortunately over the years, I've made my comfort level a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that we tend to 
go back to the what's familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's like we don't even necessarily those people winning the million dollars may not even do anything actually with it, right? Um, other than maybe go to the cheesecake factory or or something, <laughs> but not anything tangible where they could have bought some assets because they're not comfortable with it. Exactly. I heard someone talking about money about. We think a million people, a millionaire is a big deal, but really it's not. Mm-mm. There's, I can't remember the gradations. It was what 50 million was something and 100 million, but 500 million and above was Texas rich. <laughs> when you consider the oil companies and all that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But I also heard, and I don't know if this is true, that 80% of the investment capital in the US is here in Southern California. That's. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if that's true, but it wouldn't surprise me. So this is such an area of opportunity for people if yeah. you, if, if they can adjust themselves mm-hmm. with this internal thermostat. Yeah. But it really is. I mean, five hundred million dollars is not that much for a big budget movie. No. So a million dollars is a super ultra low budget movie, right? <laughs> and we blow that around this town all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, fascinating. When you so you work with stand ups. Mm-hmm. I mean, you teach mm-hmm. and you work with actors. Um, is there Anything that you can look at and say, you know what, a common theme around money is this. Like is there something that you notice with your students that, you know. um, It is interesting. In the time that I've taught, uh, a lot of people attach fame mm. and wealth, wealth and fame. And I had a young student and she didn't stay with us long. And uh, I said, so what are you doing here in class? She goes, well, I want to be the next Kim Kardashian. And I said, really? Well, what about that? Do you know what she's famous for? She goes, well, she's famous and she's rich. (laughs) I said, well, that's true. I don't know that she'd be cast on a Broadway show anytime soon. Right. Um, And do you know what she's famous for? She said, well, she does that television show. I said, a sex tape. And she stopped. She goes, okay. And I said, because if you want to be famous, pull a gun in Ralph's. Right. You know, and hold a few people hostage. For a little while, you'll be very famous. Exactly. It'll end because fame doesn't last long. It does not. So wealth and fame are separate. Right. And fame and wealth is different than being rich. Yeah. So as I parsed all of that out, she didn't come to class again. Wow. So uh, – She went and made a sex tape. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, maybe – God bless her. You know, you know what the difference between pornography and erotica is? Yeah. Lighting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Makes it a little classy. Mm-hmm. So what would be your advice to somebody who's just getting in the biz that wants to be an actor, that mm-hmm. wants to be a comic, that wants to be an artist? Mm-hmm. Um, like what would you – like what would be your advice? First of all, if you're coming – if you're here in Los Angeles, then you've, I assume, made the decision that you want to make a living and or earn money with your passion. Mm-hmm. So with that, it is called show business. Let's get some business acumen going here. Right. So it is expensive and you are your own business owner. So if we're looking at headshots, if you only have a certain amount of money, then get the very best amount because the game of show business is and the next and the next. You get an agent, but you're looking for a better one. Right. You have some great headshots, but let's look for a better one. You know, uh, pick up a voice class, whatever it is that you can. And now, especially in show business now, creating your own content. Do you have your YouTube channel? What are you writing? What are you into? It is uh, the days of lo- lounging by the pool and having your agent call you. Hey, sweetie, I've got this long gone. Right. So uh, be prepared. It's interesting because we had a conversation in class the other night about um, – is this all you do? This takes up your whole day. <laughs> and I said, it really sort of does. And 
in my experience, and I've been doing this, as I said, since I was five, there are people, it is, it's very hard. And you can't hug a career at night. Right. So trying to find the balance, if you want to have a relationship or if you want to have children. Um, I worked with a woman at Long Beach Community Playhouse years ago who was phenomenal. I mean, my moments on stage with her, I've worked with some amateurs that are amazing. I've worked with some professionals. I'm thinking, how did you get here? Right, exactly. Um, and I said to her backstage, did you ever? I mean, why? She goes, well, I was too afraid. And I decided just to marry, marry and have children and maybe make it a hobby. And it's one of the few times in my life I went, ooh, that would have been a tough choice because she would have been Meryl Streep-esque. She, yeah. would, have, she would have worked because she was so fine. Yeah. Now, talent doesn't always make a career. Right. Absolutely. So, There's many talented people if, this, that will never this, see the light of day. Yeah. This, this show business business is a little difficult. If you have talent, so much the better. But um, I, do, I do emphasize with my students the business. In fact, uh, Mary Kennedy, who is the director of Youth Acting Biz and the Biz Studio, mm-hmm. we talk about the business aspect all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, how important schmoozing is, how getting out there and meeting people. Because this is all a giant high school. Right. You know, are you with the cool kids? What are you doing? You know, are you because that's how people meet people that know people that get people that get jobs. Yeah. And what would be um, final question? Um, what would um, what do you wish you had known when you first arrived here uh, at 18? What do you wish you could have known earlier? I, I think to not take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I was this pudgy kid with thick glasses that came from Colorado, and immediately they're like, well, there's not a big call for fat dancers. Drop it. <laughs> and so I, I was maniacal about how I looked and what I did, and I was a pain in the ass to go out to dinner with because I carried a food scale. Mm-hmm. I ate three ounces of chicken. I mean, it was just all this in the intense idea that if I did it right, then I would work. I didn't know that having a good time along the way is the richness you're looking for. Yeah. I, would, I lightened up the older I got. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like if you know you're cho- choosing this career mm-hmm. that like maybe don't take it so serious. Mm-hmm. Um, T- the seriousness right. is your dedication to it. Right. Absolutely. But Not, past that, enjoy yourself. Right. But I mean be focused. Be proactive. Show up for your own career. Mm-hmm. Don't wait by the pool right. for people to show up. Um, but to like, you know, mm-hmm. like generate – Mm-hmm. You know, proactive work, gen- work generates work. Work generates work. Yeah, you know? yeah, and um, and uh, pay off your credit card so your parents it, don't oh. uh, have to call you. Oh, it was awful in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, now, well, listen, it's um, where can people find you? You can find me. I am a big face because of, of my age. A big Facebooker. You can find me on Facebook. I also have Paul Jasek Tarot Reader as my second Facebook page there. If you're interested in readings. Um, and then I uh, I can be seen around town at several different comedy clubs. I'm kind of the in the in between. I hope to return here to my home club that they can find me here at the comedy store. That would be awesome. I would love it. Well, I sure appreciate you coming on board. Um, don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. And if you have a question you'd like to ask one of our future guests, you can visit www.moneyyoushouldask and click on the record a question button. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. And for more stories, tips, financial tools to help you have a healthier relationship with money, be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. Paul, it's been awesome having you here. Thank you, Bob. I sure appreciate it. I do. I had a great time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Until next time. 